if you're a libertarian and you're not into Bitcoin, you're wasting your time because this is this is it. This is the shot. This is the best shot. I would say that it's the only shot that that we have at this uh, a, a peaceful global revolution. Hello there from Bedford, UK. How the hell are you all? Pretty crazy times right now in the world. I hope you're all well. Anyway, welcome to the What Bitcoin Did podcast, which is brought to you by the Mighty Kraken, the best place to buy, sell, and trade Bitcoin. I'm your host, Peter McCormack, and today I've got an interview with Knut Svanholm. But before that, I have a message from my amazing sponsors. So first up, my newest sponsor, Casa, the best in Bitcoin and security. Okay, let's talk about this. Are you taking your Bitcoin security seriously, or have you let it slip? Do you just have a hardware wallet hidden somewhere? with your private keys backed up on a piece of paper, hidden in your house, under the mattress. Well, that was pretty much me until recently, totally unprepared for certain scenarios. So I've been working with Casa to ensure that I'm protected from single failures of a hardware wallet, my own dumb mistakes, someone trying to hack me or any kind of personal threat. I signed up for the Casa 305 multi-sig. I've now distributed my keys And honestly, now it's done. It's come with so much peace of mind. I have now reduced my attack services and my risk of doing stupid things. Now, as I said, I signed up for Casa's Platinum. That is $150 a month. But if you do want to try it out, if you're thinking, shit, I need to get my security sorted, they do have a gold option. They do have this $10 option, which will give you a more robust security protection for your Bitcoin. With a single hardware wallet, you get triple the security protecting your Bitcoin. So it really is a no-brainer. And... They have a one-month free trial. Just head over to trial.keys.casa. And if you want to try out Platinum or Diamond, then just head over to keys.casa, which is K-E-Y-S dot C-A-S-A. Also, today we have Sportsbet. Have you checked out sportsbet.io yet? They are the best place for online gaming. And you know, they accept Bitcoin. And also, you enjoy the football being back? I am. I'm so glad it's back. And I can't wait for the Champions League matches and the Euros next year. And there is no better place to have a wager on the football than with sportsbet.io. And of course, their promotions galore to make it a little bit more exciting. And they've got one for new customers. To get you started, they've prepared a generous offer. If you win four bets in a row across four separate matches during one week after your first deposit at sportsbet.io, they will give you 10 MBTC free bet on top of it. If you want to find out more, head over to sportsbet.io forward slash promotions and sportsbet.io is S-P-O-R-T-S-B-E-T dot I-O. Okay, so onto the show today and I have Knut Svanholm, the author of Bitcoin, Sovereignty Through Mathematics and Bitcoin Independence Reimagined. Now he is a staunch libertarian and we've been talking about the show for quite some time. And as anyone who regularly listens to the show, they know this is something that I've been wrestling with since I discovered Bitcoin. Some people are like, why don't you just get it yet, Pete? And you know what? I don't just go full head on into things. I kind of have to investigate them. I have to try and try to rationalize it and understand these things myself. And like, I love all the ideals that the libertarians hold. And I definitely want people to have more freedoms. I fundamentally believe in free markets and I fundamentally believe that free markets are more efficient and I agree that nation states and governments are overreaching and way too powerful. However, I do struggle with can it actually happen and the reality of it when it does and are humans by nature set to always build these structures. So rather than having the big red button to switch off the state, I found myself in this position where I'm directionally in favour of libertarianism and the idea of weaning ourselves off the state, if we can even do that. That's where I've kind of found myself. Now, 
I don't know how you account for all the evil people or the people are willing to do shit things and exploit the vulnerable for personal gain or how society works out without regulation. And I'm not saying I think the system we have now works. It doesn't. But these are just some of the things that I'm still unsure of. So I'm going to continue with my wrestling with this. And it's great to have people like Canute on who can help me out or help me kind of navigate some of the questions I have. So I put some questions to Canute. We talk about collectivism versus individualism and if it's actually really helpful. Um, he did a great job of breaking it down and explaining how he thinks a libertarian society would operate. So I hope you enjoy this one. If you have any questions or feedback on the show, do get in touch. I am available at hello at whatbitcoindid.com. And just a note, there was a sound issue with this Canute episode. I moved over to using Squadcast. And it didn't pick up my microphone, so I apologise this week. We don't have the best sound from my side, but it's still, it's definitely worth listening to. Also, I've got a great show coming out in Defiance soon. Doing an audio documentary about the band The Ghost Inside. You want to check out what happened to them four years ago. I'll let you know when that's out. Anyway, if you've got any questions, as I said, you can reach out to me. It is hello at whatbitcoindid.com. Hello, Canute. How are you, man? I'm fine. How are you? Yeah, I'm pretty good. We've been trying to do this for for quite a while, right? On and off. Yeah, yeah, we've been. Yeah, and then forgot about it, and then tried again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's my fault. I haven't even read your book yet, and I feel <laughs> terrible. But I wanted to read it before doing it. But at the same time, like you, the ideas you pitched to me are also things I want want to talk about. Let me let me tell you something. Because you've listened to a few of my shows, right? Yeah, I have. Uh, I've listened to them for for quite a while now. Uh, not all of them, of course, but uh, some of them. And I saw your uh, the defiance thing there, the Venezuela thing. I really like. Mm-hmm. I really like those. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I'm obviously on a like this ongoing journey where I'm I'm learning in public, as you as uh, I think it was uh, Angela Walsh who said that. You know, I'm. Yeah. Happy to put it out there. Talk about the journey I'm going through. The things I've got got. The things I don't get. But let me tell you where I am at the moment because, again, if, this is really bore some people because I've talked about this before. <laughs> but I, I didn't know anything about libertarianism before Bitcoin. I, I, it's something I'd heard of, but never like taken a look at it. Um, I was very much like uh, I had a Stockholm syndrome for politics. Right, my my belief was there's a state, and you contribute to the state, you pay your tax, and you get to vote every four years. I never ever thought of this as like alternative alternative scenario where people talk about which is liberty where you have complete individualism you have all 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 interactions are voluntary you don't have any stupid speech laws and obviously as a you know as an ideology or whatever you want to call it it's very hard to argue against it because you're you're offering people total freedom versus a secondary choice of having your freedom limited by the state so i get it i'm like this this makes total sense, but I've always struggled with the kind of does it work in practice? And secondly, secondary, how, how do we even get there? Like, I've, so I've been in this idea of directionally heading towards liberty rather than this kind of big red button that you can switch it off. Mm-hmm. And right now, I tell you where I am right now. So I'm I'm studying. I'm, I'm I, at the very early stages. I've got uh, I bought a paper that Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. So I bought that paper and I bought a number of books. And where I'm at now is I'm, I'm studying human behavior because ultimately I, I am questioning whether liberty is actually possible in the form that libertarians want because I wonder if you know we are just evolved animals. Do we have this natural tendency 
to move towards collectivism? Do we have this natural tendency to organize, organize ourselves into groups? Do we have this natural tendency? Like, is the state ultimately something that will always exist? You're trying to fight against something that is, that is within the nature of most humans. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's a perfect, uh, perfect place to start here, I think, because uh, I, I believe everything points to uh, that the state is inevitable uh, as things are now. And I think that the, you, you had a question there in the beginning about what, what, how do we, uh, you don't believe in a big red button and all this, uh, like, how do we get to, to a more, to a libertarian society? And the answer to that is obviously through Bitcoin. Because I, uh, while I've been like a moral libertarian for for quite some time now, I I, I didn't see a way to get there before Bitcoin. Uh, not really. I th- I thought that uh, well, you can think these things, and you can you can have like this moral perspective, and you can be a state minimalist or whatever you may call it. But you will always have to do that through using the existing system and uh, through the uh, the lens of uh, whatever whatever uh, age and uh, nation you're living in and uh, uh, but when Bit- bitcoin came along and when you really start to grasp the 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 impact that this might very well have uh, on on society as a whole in the future then all of a sudden, these libertarian ideas don't seem as as impossible any longer. I mean, coercion will be harder to execute for uh, criminal organizations and uh, the states if the uh, if they're not the same thing, which some libertarians uh, say they are, or even most. But uh, I mean, it's. It's more of a moral thing for me, really, than uh, a political one. Like, how how would you run a country if you if you got to and uh, like like min- minimalizing the state is a good start. But uh, I think Bitcoin is is more of a a means to an end. It's a tool for uh, for liberating yourself, and uh, you don't have to worry so much about the flock any longer. All right. Well, there's a lot to pick apart here, and we'll work our way through it. And I've done this before. I've done it with Eric Voorhees. I've done it with uh, Michael Goldstein. Like I've tried to pick apart the arguments to, to test it as much as possible, test it for myself. Yeah. Uh, ultimately, so there's a whole bunch of things to pick through. Let me just ask you to begin with. Do you like? And you don't have to answer, but do you just consider yourself a libertarian, or do you consider yourself a anarcho-capitalist? <laughs> And and by the way, what is the actual difference? <laughs> yeah, it's a very good question. I don't know. I don't really like labels because I think they they get skewed over time. Like being a liberal used to mean that you were sort of libertarian. Like classic li- now, now they call it classic liberalism, and it's a whole different ballpark than what than what being liberal means now. Because all of a sudden, being liberal means that you are pro pro state stuff and uh, you're pro all sort of equal outcome instead of equal opportunity thoughts and like you you uh, to uh, 
to to not be a racist, you have to uh, to, to judge people, to, to group people by skin color or by by gender or sexual orientation or whatever, whatever it may be. Like, if you don't do that, you're the racist or you're the sexist. And I, I think somewhere along the way, the the words change meaning. So, so that's why I'm reluctant to call myself anything. Uh, right now, a libertarian or an anarcho-capitalist might be a good word to describe my morals, if you will. Maybe not my political views, but rather morals. I, I think you named a couple of books there that you're reading, and I think you should put Human Action on that list if you haven't already read it. By Ludwig, Human Action. Yeah, by Ludwig von Mises. It's a, it's a tough one because it, it, I listened to it on audio and it's like 38 hours long or something. But if you can manage that, uh, that, that is like the magnum opus of, of uh, libertarianism and why this is the correct moral perspective to have and how how trying to meddle with with the the powers of a free market always leads to a, a worse result than than just having people do things their own way and cooperate voluntarily uh, rather than by coercion so this is where we come to that point where like i i agree theoretically i agree right yeah it's funny also i'm buying books quicker than i can get through them <laughs> it's really tough it's really tough I'm, I'm, I'm buying them at a just a ridiculous pace because there's so much i want to read yeah so i mean recently so i bought the the paper the maslow's hierarchy needs i also bought hierarchy in the forest the evolution of egalitarian behavior i also bought a copy of plato's the republic and also uh, this Skinner book about behaviorism. So like all these different books, because whilst I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, I, I agree with the goal of heading towards ultimate liberty. I, I fundamentally agree with that. And I agree that collectivism and coercion ultimately leads to bad outcomes. Yeah, I but- agree with that. I disagree with socialism. But like I said, I'm in this place where I'm not, and we'll get to the Bitcoin thing, but I, I, I'm, I, I think I'm in the place where I, I think, this, like you say, the state is inevitable because of human nature, because of the bad apples, the, the sociopaths and the, and the narcissists who not only that, psychopaths. Not only that, because this is, this is where it gets really interesting, I think. Because I think democracy it's in itself is flawed in a, way, in a way that people, uh, not only in the obvious ways, but in a way that pe- most people don't think about. And there's a chapter in my new book, Independence Reimagined, about th- this. And it's called Why Collectivists Win. And the thing is that if, if you're a collectivist or if, you're, uh, if being in the correct tribe, uh, so to speak, or uh, sharing for the correct uh, <laughs> football team or whatever, that... If if that means a lot to you, then you are more likely to form larger groups with other people than if you're mm-hmm. an individualist and you don't really care that much about what other people think about your opinion. So if you if you have this groupthink mentality in your operating system, so to speak, you will naturally form larger groups than those who don't, than those who don't care if they're agreeable or not. 
And this is like, like a like a gravity. So if yeah. you formed a group, people might want to gro- join your group, and you're not going to say no because you believe in the collective group. So therefore, as more people join your group, you, you, they can help you towards your collective goals. Whereas yeah. if you're an indiv- like it, there's no, I guess it's a bit like Bitcoin security. You know that people say how much. When do we have enough big security? You, you don't. It's almost like if you're a collectivist, it's like, well, how many people's enough? I guess there's never enough. Whereas if you're an individual, you're always individual. So there's it's direction. It's directional, right? Yeah, yeah. The and the the thing is, the individual is the ultimate subgroup. You can always you can always split a group apart, and there's there's always what it all boils down to is that it's only a, a, a an individual. That can make a decision, or that can have an opinion. The, the, the it's always personal, but humans are we're flock animals, and we tend to uh, to form groups and follow leaders because uh, this has given us a, a a genetic advantage in the past. Like the, the, this is what the, the beginning of the book is about. It's like you can categorize reality into. Objective reality, subjective reality, and intersubjective reality, which is everything that we collectively believe to be true, and that includes religion, states, nation states, and uh, ultimately money as well, because we all need to have the same, the same belief uh, in order for it to, to work, uh, and and that's the only re- reason that it does work, and this ties into to all the other stuff because. This has given us an enormous advantage compared to other species. If you if you if you watch a a flock of chimpanzees, for instance, or or, or some other primate, they they never form groups large, larger than Dunbar's number, which is around 150 people, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, because they can't communicate, they don't scale the same way that we do in our hive mind, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Because we can we can like form a, a group that that spans continents. Like we believe in the same God, or we believe in democracy, or we believe in money, or whatever it is. But it's still just an idea, all of it, and and nothing more and nothing less. And while this might uh, might have helped us conquer the the Earth, it has as at the same time made slaves of us all in a, in a sense like we're, we're we're not truly free thinkers because of it because we take so much for granted and i i guess this this ties in also to to why i'm reluctant of uh saying that i'm a libertarian or an anarcho-capitalist because uh, i'm trying to get away from all the group think and like it's a group <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and the, that's the thing why i think there's so much hostility between bitcoiners because we're trying to like communicate with other free thinkers and other individualists and other people that have that come from the same or more or less the same urge to not be told what to think <laughs> yeah but I, well we'll come to that as well i yeah. mean just i think some people actually they, they can't sometimes end up contradicting their own uh, ideology and some people are just assholes, but we can come to that. <laughs> I want to, I want to stay on that bit though, right? Okay, so because you yeah. you will have studied this more than me. Okay, so you know you obviously know about Dunbar's number. You know, like groups of animals formed together, and 150 is kind of like the maximum before it starts to kind of break down in in, in certain ways. But yeah, not all animals. So, 
primates. <laughs> primates. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, primates. But, but have you actually looked into any of the reasons why humans tend to form into groups and, and collect around like ideas of, of working together? Um, I mean, my assumption being is that it was very different in uh, if you go back hundreds of years where you'd have very little small communities or villages or, you know, 10, 1,500 people working together. And, and we're now at this weird place where we've got billions of people around the world trying to get everyone agree to live the same, which is, is dumb when you think about it. But do you understand, have you looked into why humans are drawn into this kind of collectivism idea? Yeah, well, I, as I said, I think it's a genetic thing. We've had a genetic advantage. Uh, uh, the, the group that could that could kill the other group and kill all the animals around survived. And the other, the other group that got eaten by all the tigers didn't, <laughs> if that right. makes any sense. Like it's, it's like uh, in our code. If you look back at civilizations, uh, when they, when they start to expand, it's, it's uh, the, the invention of ceremonial burial is, is almost always close to that point where they start growing, uh, uh, start expanding their empires, uh, uh, and and this is because uh, it, it's not before you can fool an eighteen-year-old that going out with his uh, weapon here and killing your neighbor is a good idea. Is you can't really do that before you invent the thought of an afterlife and like seventeen virgins in heaven or whatever. Like, well, okay, can- yeah, but I've, I've heard that with the with the terrorists, but let's go back. A, let's go back a step. So, so what? So prior prior to so what did they used to do with the bodies? Just like let them lay there and rot. <laughs> there was no burial. I don't know. I I I guess they buried them, but they didn't have the ritual around it. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. But I don't know, <laughs> and uh, I, I'm not an anthropologist. That's for sure. <laughs> so, so, so we set, we're, we're celebrating bravery. We become a hero. Yeah, and we're no, no we're we're being uh, like leaders could use that in order to to gain power and like like all hierarchical monkeys like the uh, the 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 alpha male of the flock gets the most action right <laughs> the the most female action uh, like the, he attracts the the most beautiful females in the flock and the gets to bang most of them <laughs> so because because he's the one on top and uh, and this is <laughs> it's an evolutionary thing as i said like uh, those traits live on because they survive and it's as simple as that and uh, it might be harsh and and uh, depressing to think about but uh, i i really oh, it, actually it's a really important point with regards to what's happening with all the unrest right now um i think it was jordan peterson i was yeah. listening to when he was talking about uh one of the problems in society is when when you lose too many of the men if you have an imbalance between men and women because a man doesn't typically typically want to settle down yeah and so if there's an imbalance therefore he will kind of like spread his wings and yeah and uh, and, and therefore that doesn't lead to like tighter family units that actually leads to a more broken society yeah, I think so was, I'm not, we're not allowed to talk about this. I don't think, but we are. <laughs> Brett Weinstein was uh, on about that on the job. Oh, was it Brett? The other week. Ah, that's yeah. that's where I heard it. Brett Weinstein yeah. on R- Rogan. That was it. Yeah, and that was a brilliant interview until it was. until the uh, uh, solution that that Brett had. 
because breath yeah, is not a questions. because breath is not a bitcoiner so it doesn't see the underlying prog- problem here i mean well, nowhere he, he wants to replace politics with he wants to replace ba- bad politics with more politics yeah exactly and uh, uh, i believe that, that that just won't work uh, like changing constitutions and stuff i mean like I, I guess the constitution of america was a step in the right direction and it was the best there was for its time however that that doesn't matter anymore and it has no significance any longer and what what you get instead is this uh, this guy with a tucked in red uh, pink shirt and and an uh, ar15 rifle scaring away the mobsters outside his door uh, outside his castle which is huge and like there's all sorts of uh, of things going on that are quite depressing to be honest but i think most people miss the root cause of the problem which is the money obviously well, so listen, look, we've got Bitcoin, right? So we understand that you see that as a solution to this problem. But let me ask you, so I'm a big fan of Tom Woods. I have probably made my way through about 500 of his episodes now. Tom Woods. But I wouldn't call, yeah, Tom Woods, he's a libertarian. He's got this uh, show. He had VJ Voyapati on All right. recently talking about Bitcoin. But I wouldn't call Tom a Bitcoiner. Like, he, he has it covered on the show but I wouldn't call him a Bitcoiner. I, I, I mean, he may own some, but he's he very, he just doesn't talk about Bitcoin. He just talks about liberty and the path to liberty. And yeah, even if you consider uh, a minarchist, he, he will make the joke that, well, a minarchist is a, uh, is a six months away from being a libertarian or something. I can't remember the exact joke, but the point being is he, he believes ultimately in liberty, but I never hear him talk about the fact that the state is ultimately ultimately a inevitability right and this is when i therefore get into other conversations with so if you're a libertarian and you believe in liberty but you're not a bitcoiner i i don't understand those who therefore also aren't involved in politics i I spoke to the libertarian party in the uk and i asked them why they're involved in politics and they said because we want to get into power and then our mandate is to reduce the state and ultimately get rid of it, which makes sense, right? And I, th- yep. I think it's, but I don't think it can happen, but I think it makes sense. But for libertarians who aren't in Bitcoin, who also don't engage in the political process, I, I, also, I, I kind of feel like they have a personal belief about a situation that can never happen, a, 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 like a society structure that is impossible to happen. Yep. So I'm like, well, kind of what is the point in that? Is that, um, is that you, no, I mean, I get it. It's because it's like the principles you want to live by. I understand that, but wouldn't it be far better to look at someone like what Ron Paul achieved, right? Okay, ultimately, he didn't get into power, but he did change a number of the conversations. He was there in the debate. He was there debating the other politicians. And let's be honest, it'd be very difficult for anyone to say he wasn't the most rational person presenting the most rational arguments in those discussions. Yeah. So, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think the conversation is the most important thing there because, like, we have two ways of of, sol- of solving problems, and and that's violence and conversation. There, there, there's no middle ground. We we can either fight each other or talk to each other. That's that's the only two two options we have as humans. And using Bitcoin is talking to each other because money is ultimately communication, right? I communicate Mm -hmm. that I appreciate what you do and all that. It's a language. You've heard all that stuff before. But but I I, I truly believe that, that uh, uh, a sound money is the ultimate tool for free speech there is. 
because speech isn't really free if you're constantly being thwarted by a a a system that is flawed in its core the amounts of problem that this inflationary currency systems that we've been living under for for uh, the last 100 years have caused are uh, like the too vast to even to even grasp uh, i mean once you see that it's hard to unsee it and i think there are a lot of libertarians out there that see the problem with inflationary currencies that just haven't discovered bitcoin yet uh, and uh, they, they, they maybe they've heard of it but they haven't truly understood it and they or maybe they don't believe that it will work in the long run and they haven't looked into it enough it's as simple as that because if you're a libertarian and you're not into bitcoin you're wasting your time because this is this is it this is the shot this is the best shot i would say the, it's the only shot that that we have at this uh, a, a peaceful global revolution for lack of a better word to uh, no no i mean it's the perfect word and listen i agree uh, it has a bad ring to it though i mean castro wanted to liberate people too (laughs) well yes 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 of course and uh but and and there's been a lot of uh well but it comes back to that point that uh, i think it's my friend tom was talking to me about China. So China goes in these cycles. They have a revolution. The revolutionaries become in power, and the and the process starts again because yeah, absolute power. No power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts. Yeah. Absolutely. That that came same cycle. But I do want to. Can I touch one other area with you as well? I just want to touch on socialism and the left. And I was definitely a socialist as a kid. Right as a kid growing up, I was like, well, sure. Like there shouldn't be poor people and we should all help each other and we should have the NHS. And like, I was un, un, without any doubt, I was a socialist and we're talking like in my teens. It was only when I went into the workplace and grew up and you know, my political views changed and I'd pretty much only ever voted. Cons- One time I didn't vote conservative, conservative. I just followed my paper, but every other time I voted conservative apart from the last election. <laughs> That's quite a funny story because I, I drew a picture of a duck and my, Son went into his uh, the, the, his school had an election and he said he didn't want to vote, so he drew a picture of an octopus. So we got a <laughs> like a family trend here, but but anyway, so during the last election, uh, the UK election, I didn't vote, but I got into a number of debates on Facebook. And yeah. I got a lot of socialist friends, and I started talking about ideas I I probably wouldn't have the confidence to talk about on Twitter because I'm surrounded by by so many smart and intellectual people. And that's not to say I don't on Facebook, but Facebook's an easier environment to test some of your own thoughts and ideas. And um, I wasn't going to vote, but I definitely was more fearful of the Labour Party getting to power because they had a lot of just like really stupid socialist ideas. Um, And Corbyn is an actual socialist, not just one of these social democrats an actual socialist he, he believes the the in in the state only in the means of production so i would put things out onto facebook and i remember once particular one particular day I, I was testing the idea amongst my friends of collectivism being evil individualism being about liberty if you believe in collectivism you believe in coercion and you're evil blah 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 and just put it out there as a test um, but kind of explaining it rationally in probably very similar ways to that maybe you might explain it. So I had two people phone me because I thought I'd gone mad. Um, one of them said, look, it's really upsetting me, the things you're putting out there. It's, it's really getting to me. Because we had a bit of a discussion on, on Facebook. She was like, um, yeah. you know, what about, what about you know, 
maternity pay and pregnant mothers. Yeah, yeah. What do you, and I'm like, well, if you choose to have a baby, you should pay the cost. If you can't afford it, save up. Why, sh- why should I have to pay for it? And we, we went through the same on education and we went through the same on, on, a, on a bunch of topics. So she phoned me up. And we had this really interesting, I remember I was driving and she's like, I can't believe what's happened to you over the last couple of years. You don't care about anyone anymore. You know, you've become really selfish, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, 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 I haven't. No, it's- Actually, what I, yeah, you know what I'm going to say, right? I care about free choice. Yeah. And anyway, by the end of the conversation, she was like, uh, she said to me, she said, yeah, it's really weird. I, everything you're saying makes sense. I just can't vote for conservative. So I'm going to vote for labor. Yeah, <laughs> it was a really this interesting what, conversation. This is what I'm talking about. Why collectivists win because they're more concerned with the success of their tribe than what their tribe actually believes in. And the thing is with like, if you have a more or less uh, social democratic system, like you have a public sector and you have a private sector and in the, in the public sector, everything everything is slower and more bureaucratic and you get less bang for the buck, basically. But, but when you're in a Keynesian economy, like we are now, the private sector is also distorted because instead of making sound long-term investments, they are forced to spend, uh, to, to, to lend money and uh, to, yeah, to take up big mortgages and, and like, to, to spend rather than to uh, on frivolous things than rather than to make sound investments they make short term investments so mm-hmm. they they all seem like uh, uncle scrooges and and the uh, greedy money grabbers and it's easy to villainize the, the corporations and everything and uh, uh, it's easy to villainize capitalists in 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 a society that functions the way it does today because 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 of the Cantillon effect and everything, and that the, the larger your company is, the more influence it has on everything else, and it, it calls the shots, and it has the, lo- the 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 money to buy the lobbyists to to bribe the politicians, and it's all it, it's all rotten to the core. So so I can I I can understand why people why, why people can choose to see like either the private or the public sector as the villain in this. And then they choose to be uh, like social democratic or or conservative, basically. And they don't see the underlying problem. That goes even further than that, because the reason that the the greediest and the the most ruthless businessmen win uh, is because they're allowed to, or even pushed to make these short-term, unsound. Uh, there's so much mal- malinvestment and uh, like. Uh, so much resources are wasted on, like uh, the, the the fact that that there is an attention economy is a testament to this. Like they mm-hmm. they, uh, they, they, they grab your attention for a couple of seconds, and that, that there's money in that. And the way out of that is to it, it, the the only way out of that is to is to be under a sound money system where where you have to uh, where you have to back things up, and you ha- you have to have a you have to have wealth in order to invest and you have to save up and make long-term investments instead of this uh, Keynesian bullshit of uh, like spending all the time. Next up, I talked to Canute more about collectivism versus individualism and libertarian ideas. But before that, I have a message from my amazing sponsors. So let's talk about Kraken and why they are the best place to buy Bitcoin. 
Firstly, their world-class security makes them the most trusted cryptocurrency exchange on the market. No hacker is going to get your Bitcoin. And with their 24-7, 365 customer support, they can help you with any issues you have, whoever you are and wherever you are. They have the most comprehensive suite of tools for buying Bitcoin. At Kraken.com, it could not be easier to sign up and start trading. They also have a beautiful mobile-first app so you can buy Bitcoin on the go. And with margin trading, futures, and their OTC desk, Kraken has every option covered for you. There is no better place to trade Bitcoin. Find out more at Kraken.com or download the app. It's available for the iPhone and Android. Just search for Kraken Pro, which is K-R-A-K-E-N-P-R-O. Next up, we also have BlockFi, the future of Bitcoin and financial services. Now, with BlockFi, you can open up an interest account and earn money on your Bitcoin. I've been a customer. It's coming up for a year soon. I'm really happy with the interest I receive every month from BlockFi. Also, using your Bitcoin as collateral, you can take out a USD loan. And right now, they have a special offer for new customers. You can get a double interest bonus if you fund your BlockFi account by July the 18th. That means for the month of August, you'll be earning twice as much as normal. All you have to do is enter the promo code 2x when signing up. Just enter the number 2 followed by an X. That's promo code 2x. And if you're interested in checking out BlockFi, I recommend you do do your own research. Then head over to BlockFi.com, which is B-L-O-C-K-F-I.com. All right, one more thing before Bitcoin. Have you heard of a book called Too Like, Too like the Lightning by Ada Palmer? Nope. So I've only just started it, and I'm working my way through the audit audiobook yeah and i haven't got to what i wanted to get out of it yet but the reason i bring it up is i i put out like a question on twitter once i was like is it possible to have a society which is structured so you can have both collectivists and individualists side by side so for example if you wanted to be um part of a, a group and a state but alongside that an individual could operate and live completely separate from society so for example you don't have access to voting you can only buy services privately you have to pay to use the roads like it, you have to pay to use every single thing which is a government service but you get to opt out of the state now ultimately i think it's a flawed idea because what will end up happening is all, all the wealthy people will opt out and all those who can't afford won't so, so probably the idea is fundamentally flawed but i still kind of I still kind of wondered if that if that is possible side by side. Is is that something you've ever looked into? Yeah. Uh, the, well, the, yes and no uh, is the answer to that question. Because <laughs> no, because I believe that all democracies will ultimately lead to more and more interventionism and a bigger and bigger state. Okay. You, you have to have a revolution in order to decrease the size of the state and to actually lower lower taxes long term and uh, and to. To, be, to, to have a society that's more focused on liberty, yeah, there, there, there's just no way around that in the in the in the long term. So, in that case, no. But I, on the other hand, I think that Bitcoin is this society that you're talking about. It provides us with a tool to do exactly that, As, especially since it's got uh, number go up technology, which which will make it us. Just as you say, only the wealthy will be able to uh, float above the other system. And if Bitcoin continues to do the things it does already, that is where we're headed. And we will afford to do this. All, all Bitcoiners will at some point in the future. So, so that's, that's my view on that. And, but the thing is, I don't know if this, uh, a society that, like that 
that that might happen with Bitcoin if it will be very violent or not. Because I, I think the transition, I'm unsure if the transition from the legacy, legacy system to a more sound money-oriented system in this new nation without borders we're building, if, if that transition is uh, a violent one or a peaceful one. I certainly hope, mm. hope it's a peaceful one, but like people with guns and uh, like people will inevitably think that they have missed the train. They do already, and they don't see uh-huh. that, that this train is. You can't miss this train because it keeps on going. This train, and you you can just hop on whenever. Even even when all the money in the world is in Bitcoin, we can still be more productive, and then Bitcoin will, will be worth more even then. So like the, there is no. There is no last station to hop onto the train of Bitcoin. Uh, well, and people, yeah, and people look, they talk about, oh, fucking lucky Bitcoin it got in 2010. That's why you care about it, blah, blah, blah. Look, yeah, yeah, but, I've heard that, but, but you know, fair enough. They, maybe they got lucky, you know, they heard about something, whatever. It, it never really bothers me. I, I, there's less of an excuse these days because everyone's heard of Bitcoin, right? You've heard, you, everyone's heard of it. They've had the choice to look into it and. And, and maybe they have or they haven't. Let, let me ask you. Um, let me ask you a, 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 another thing. Well, let me actually just make a point. You said I'm not sure if it will be a bloody revolution. <laughs> I think it will be a pe- peaceful and bloody revolution at the same time. Yeah. Because I believe those who see it will want to transition peacefully. I mean, you. I don't want. I don't. I want a pans- peaceful transition. You want. Of course. I believe in that, but I don't believe those who like. There's a lot to get your head around here. Okay, with Bitcoin, it's a complete, it's a complete reconsideration of everything you know. Even going to like, so our pubs have just reopened here. Well, they're open on Saturday, right? And I'm going to meet up with all my friends. We haven't seen each other for ages. Six of us are going to get together, and I'm the weirdo, right? I'm the I'm the Bitcoin weirdo. I'm the one who like, and if I raise these issues and talk to them, (laughs) yeah, you know, we all know they're going to be like, "Why are you on about P? You fucking weirdo." And I'm going to be to like talking to them about Bitcoin, and, and there will be messages that will land. When I say to them, say, look, let's just look at the stock market now. But it's very easy one to land right now. Look at the stock market priced in dollars, the US stock market, and look at it priced in gold. Let me explain to you why this is happening. Yeah. And that's going to make them go, oh, okay. So I'm going to say, look, this is the potential risk that inflation, the potential inflationary risk to your savings. And they're going to be, oh, like, okay. And I can get that far. I say to them, yeah, but what we really need to do is dismantle the state, move to voluntary interactions, get rid of hate speech, and um, you know, each man for themselves kind of situation. They're, they're going to be like, huh? Uh, did, and did, so the reason I sorry, I was going to say the reason I think it's a bloody re- revolution ultimately is because I don't think you can move, you can transition to this new new version of society without uh, an economic shock. And if you go back, therefore, if we go back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs that, you know, the first need is food. That's the, the ultimate need is that you have those physiological needs and one of them is food. So it's that survival instinct kicks in. And, and we've seen that in the breakdown of the societies, places like, you know, Venezuela is a perfect example. That yeah. first situation is the, the physiological needs. They need yeah. food. And yeah. if they need food, the situations can get violent. And yes, some people will be violent because they want more than food. They want a car. They just want money. But Ultimately, when people are hungry, they will do crazy fucking things. And if we have a big economic shock, then I don't think you can have a. You, I don't think you can't have a bloody revolution. Yeah, but that that's not really Bitcoin's fault. 
No, of course not. <laughs> uh, because the only reason that it's peaceful now is that we've all agreed to being fine with being robbed. Uh, like we've all, we're doing this uh, a, a looming threat of imprisonment if we don't pay our taxes. That 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 that's the basic premise. We are coerced into doing. Yeah. It. Yeah. So so we're already like like would you <laughs> die free or live a slave or whatever the <laughs> the catchphrases are. But we, you you're a slave now to a certain extent for sure because the fruits of your labor are uh, you don't eat them. You give them away involuntarily. And I think most of us uh, like especially bitcoiners we we there's all sorts of altruistic bitcoiners that that are perfectly fine with helping the poor and making the world a better place i i, I mean just because you don't believe that the state should do it doesn't mean that you think that it shouldn't be done that that's a that's a whole different thing i i i just think we should try to as peacefully as possible get rid of the coercion part and yeah well it, 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 well I've... I wouldn't say it's a peaceful re- resolution revolution on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we're getting back to the uh, why connect with the, 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 I know. I'm just teasing. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, <laughs> You've been in a lot of Twitter storms lately. I've uh, noticed. I'm, I'm always in them. I'm always in them. I, I, yeah, I, I can't figure out it. Bitcoiners. Like I, I'll probably get some shit for this, you know. But I believe I can talk to whoever I want. Like uh, and. I'm going to I'm going to stick to my opinions and discuss them with people. I mean, I I believe that you can befriend someone you disagree with. This is it's not like you have to only interact with those people that you agree to with to 100%. Then you know better than the social justice warriors. I know. I look, some of it's my fault because I just tell people to go fuck themselves or <laughs> I'm quite dogmatic in my views. Yeah, uh, no comment. <laughs> yeah. I don't really give a fuck, really. Um, but 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 ultimately, like I, I get what you're saying, and and I, I talked to my friend Tom about this a lot. Uh, he's one of those weirdos, and if he hears this, he'll lose his shit with me. But he's one of those weirdos in the UK who votes for the Liberal Democrats. And like, I can't vote Conservative because yeah, they're stuck up rich bastards, and everyone hates them. And like, I can't admit that because it's embarrassing. And then he's like, I can't vote for Labour because they're socialists. So I'm just going to go in the middle, which is. Uh, the Liberal Democrats, but I talked to him about this stuff, and, and you know we work together regularly. He's a producer on Defiance, and he's like, "Yes, but we have agreed as a society to work together. We've agreed to come together and, and work as a society, and we need to help the most unfortunate. And if we don't help the most unfortunate, we've we've actually undone this civilized society that we've built. You know, and no. No. I think there are certain things I I wouldn't agree." I would argue that there are certain things that have come good out of collectivism that I don't think you get under the under like under individualism. Like, so like, for example, oh. so so for example, I don't know if without collectivism, I don't know if you have wheelchair ramps in every public building or every building in the country, right? Now, for somebody who's in a wheelchair, that's amazing for them. They know they can go anywhere in the UK and their wheelchair is not an impediment to getting in the building and getting around the building. And that is a law. If if you don't have that as a, like, a, a collective rule, that's not going to happen. Not everyone's going to do that. Yeah, but what, what do you mean by building then? 
<laughs> is is a that structure a shop? Uh, you know. Yeah, but is that a public, so-called public building? Or uh, just, uh, I'm just saying, any any business, you know, swimming pool, cinema, pri- yep. even private. And look, and I, and I know what defense you're going to put to me. Uh, what no, I'm you... saying is, for, for that for that individual in the wheelchair, it's good for them. Yeah, but okay, let let me answer that with a, an analogy. Like, if you're in a, a brick and mortar store, whatever. Um, you're you're trying to buy something that they don't have. Uh, what 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 is the most common response you get from the the employee at the at the store? It's like, no, we have go online. Go online or try this other store across the street or whatever. What uh, about the cinema? <laughs> uh, oh, we we don't play that movie. Go to this theater over here. They have it. And what if what I'm saying is uh, like uh, I understand what you're saying. No, no. Let, let me get to the point because the, the, this is important. Businesses do that because they have to because the, the, their end goal is the satisfaction of the customer. Uh, uh, so every entrepreneur is is a slave to his customers' wants and needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so they will be uh, like. To a certain extent, of course, and maybe they wouldn't voluntarily put wheelchair ramps on every building, but like putting them on every building is is not optimizing the resources because wheelchair people won't go to the gym, for instance, in the same to the same extent uh, uh, as as someone with legs, like to to a spinning class, let's say. So mm-hmm. so so, oh, maybe, I understand so that. maybe maybe the ramp is unnecessary there. And those resources were wasted, and and people just lost their money building the thing. Are you, oh, no, are you, I understand the, the, your defense. Yeah. No, I understand your defense. But what I'm saying is, it's, it's not a defense. <laughs> well, it's the argument against it. What I'm saying is, for the for the for the individual in a wheelchair, it is great for them, for anybody, for the population of people in wheelchairs, for them in the UK to know they can go to any building, which is a a business or a public, and and know they have that for them. That is a good thing, right? Yeah, but you can easily, like, if you're a customer and you see a store, if you're in another country and you see a store that does not have a ramp for handicapped people, you can choose not to to uh, to interact with them and to, to buy stuff there. Like, the, what if there's, what if what if you're in a small town with only one cinema? All your friends get to go and watch the film, and it's difficult for you. Well, I'm not. I'm, I'm not arguing with the theory. I, I'm sure. Of what you're saying, I'm sure that that cinema would want that extra customer as well, and sooner or later they could pay for the ramp for the handicap. It, it's it's sort of a far fetched example, the handicap ramp. But but but, but, no, but it, it is an example for that that person. You know, it is an example in that situation that I just think that has been a a benefit. For those, let me think of another one. What <laughs> okay. about what about? Yeah, because I, I think that certain aspects of policing and certain departments in the police, I don't know if you would get. I just don't know. Again, I understand there will be a, like a defense argument. Well, we'll have private police forces, and if there's a demand from that, then then we'll get it. But I'm just not sure you will have it. You, I'm not sure if you will have a coordinated, oh, for no. for example, national. Like uh, I can't remember what the UK one is. It's, it's like the it's the ones that deal with like the worst criminals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But neither am I. I'm not sure either. I'm not sure of the outcome, and I'm not sure. And this is, uh, I th- I think this is the, in the in the preface to my book or the foreword or whatever. Like uh, if 
we can't really know what, what what would have happened if we would have chosen the other alternative at any point in time in history. Mm-hmm. So we're all chained right. to the unforgiving arrow time, right? And mm-hmm. and uh, so so I don't know if we would have a better system if we didn't have a public sector. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that from a moral perspective. The individual is the is the ultimate minority, and that's the individual's rights is the most important thing, because that's where every group every group is formed of in, individuals, and like that's what you should focus your attention on the 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 rights of the individual, and not the entitle entitlements of the individual, because I don't believe you're entitled to anything, but the rights to pursue your pursue your own goals and and stuff like that and which you're born with these rights and like the the government's narrative is like they give you a right to do this and they give you a right to do that but a a government can never give anything they can just take stuff away away. i mean of course they can give out stolen money and give stuff back so in a sense they can but uh, when it comes to rights like I I I find the word free trade agreement is an oxymoron, and like I used to be pro the uh, the EU, but I'm slowly but co- but surely becoming a uh, an anti EU person. What? Hold on. How, why we, we, uh, we hold on? Let me let me guess. You were pro the EU because it broke down borders. Yeah, exactly. But then I hadn't figured out that borders were just there in the first place because someone put them there. Uh, and that's that's the thing. Uh, free trade agreement is a is an oxymoron in my uh, from my perspective because like uh, the 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 thing when 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 the UK when Brexit happened, there's a lot of you have a lot of problems with that now because you can't interact the way you did with the rest of Europe. But that's not really uh, neither the, the UK's or the or uh, uh, that's that's the fault of the existence of the nation of of the nation states. I mean. They are the ones that put the borders there in the first place, and that they told you that you couldn't cross this border and interact with those people over there. So, like, it all boils down to it's it's all it's all one of our forefathers being really fucking mean to another one of our forefathers and taking their stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, wait, 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 are you? Uh, is your location private, or can you tell me where you are? Yeah, I'm in uh, Western Sweden. Is that? <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. Okay, so let, let's say, let's say, okay, let's so try let's, some opsec for for uh, for once. <laughs> no, no, no. Let, so let, let let let's just say, let's just say that Sweden adopts Bitcoin, right? And yeah, the yeah. state ends up breaking down, and you end up becoming yeah, yeah, a Bitcoin-based authority. Here's a whole and then, rabbit hole, because I don't. Yeah, think but states can adopt Bitcoin. That's a different no, no, no. I mean, sorry, sorry. It's the state breaks down after the people adopt Bitcoin, right? So oh, right. you end up, the state's gone. You're in this hyper-Bitcoinization uh, kind of free society in Sweden. What happens when those Danish fuckers start coming running over the bridge with their axes and shit and they want to, and they want, and they're like, right, we, now's our chance. We can get Sweden. What happens then? You've disbanded your police, you've disbanded your military. First of all, the Danes will adopt Bitcoin way before we will, because we're so I don't think more so. collectivist than they are. <laughs> I don't know, man. Your response to the coronavirus... Yeah, I need to ask yeah, you about yeah, that yeah, anyway. But, but, yeah, 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 I'm, uh, I'm very happy with what this, how the state responded to that. And I, I usually detest the Social Democrats here, but I actually do believe that they... 
the way they, they did it, uh, I, I don't really mind the, the, the high death rates because I think uh, 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 an enforced police state is worse. And this is this is a this is the thing I wanted to talk to you to you about because okay. you 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 wrote a tweet saying like, like uh, a thirty day lockdown glo- globally that would be the best solution to this. That's Brett Weinstein's fault again. Uh, yeah, it is right. <laughs> I, I bet you tweeted it while watching that. <laughs> and well, no, actually, in fairness, if you see, because I actually retweeted an old tweet of mine. I said this right at the very start. All right. Um, I said at the very start because um, it says I still think this is a good idea. Yeah. So let me frame it. Let me just okay. frame it for you. Okay. It's and not I'll respond. Yeah. And I really did wrestle with this because I knew when I was thinking this, it's like. <laughs> But Pete, you're you're becoming libertarian. You understand about liberty, and then if this is a forced lockdown, then this is encouraging. I look, I get that, and I totally get that. But at the same time, I was about to do an interview with Scott Horton, and um, I've read some articles on the Libertarian Institute about the big red button being dangerous. And then these these like in the pursuit of liberty, there's these uh, certain scenarios. I think um, Nassim Taleb talked about them recently, tail issues or whatever he calls them, but like pandemics, defense, there are certain things that perhaps even in a libertarian society you want. So I wrestled with it. But the ultimate framing for me is if you're going to do a lockdown, do it properly. And there's loads of arguments against it and why it could and couldn't work. But if you're going to do it, just do it properly and kill it. Kill the virus dead. Yeah, and from a medical perspective, you're right. Uh, You're probably very right, and that would have killed the virus. But this is the scary part. Because a prerequisite for doing that is totalitarianism and all your freedoms taken away. If if all your freedoms can be taken away in a in a manner like that, that's not a society I ever want to set my foot in. But we're already in it. Yeah, but they couldn't uh, over here. They couldn't. They were too yeah cowardly over here. Whatever too uh, uh, slow or whatever you may call it. But they couldn't really enforce it, and I, I think in Sweden, the police force is, is is just not strong enough or big enough for them to enforce a thing like that. And there's almost no military. So even if they would have tried, people would have, uh, well, very, we're a very obedient uh, bunch over here. Uh, m- most Swedes are very obedient, and uh, so we do what whatever whatever they tell us to do. And yeah, <laughs> I. I I realize now that I'm talking from a, a perspective of a country that that has one of the highest death rates from this ever. But the thing is, well, you got your freedom. Yeah, yeah, in a sense there. Uh, but the thing is, uh, the 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 part that scares me is that people seem to think that uh, the result is more important than the than the morals that. Uh, the 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 ends ratify the means uh, part of this, because I think the ends never ratify the means uh, in that sense. Uh, make any sense? Because uh, no, totally, I, I get that, and I I totally get that. So let me ask you a different scenario. Yeah. So I released a show today on my Defiance podcast called How to End Humanity. I did an interview with this guy Rob Breed, and there was a virus H five N one that was very very like really, really uh, contagious and really lethal. No, no, it was really lethal, but hardly contagious. And in a lab, they they fucked around with it so it could be really contagious. They didn't want to test these things right. 
So imagine, I think we can agree that coronavirus is highly contagious. It's spread around the globe at a rate that none of us kind of expected. And we've got 10 million infected, but probably it could be 100 million. We don't really know, right? No. Now, let's just say it was highly, highly, like at a high death rate, like Ebola levels of, of death. Yeah. Killing 50, 60% of people have got it. And it, initially we see it in another country and we have the risk of it breaking into our country. And we see another country and everyone is just fucking dying. When your government turns around and says, we are doing a lockdown now and it's a strict one and these are the rules, are you are you of the exact same thing that no, we should all go out and do it exactly as we please? Or not even in that scenario, like, mm, you know what, hold on. Yeah, this is kind of fucked up. We should do something about this. Yeah, this, I, I think if, if if we saw people dying in mass all over the place, we would do an, a, a lockdown voluntarily. Perhaps, but you, you but you still you still might get the idiots who are like, no, I don't care, I want to do what I want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then the idiots would die. <laughs> it's 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 Darwinism. It's harsh, and it's uh, it might I might sign, sound inhumane now, but, but no, no, true. Like, look, I've wrestled with these. I really yeah, have wrestled with let these. Me, let, like, me give, let me give you a counter scenario. Say say we have another uh, a spread of a, like Ebola goes worldwide. Uh, or whatever, highly contagious, yeah. highly high death rate, and the the nation that that handles this uh, perfectly is China, and they do a total lockdown and they lock people into their buildings and like they they cut off everything for thirty days and they kill it. Uh, then that will be the model society for all other societies to look up to after the after the virus has died out. So everyone would like to co- will will copy their model, and they will, f- uh, and that will China will become everywhere, and I think there's a high risk that this is already happening. Like uh, all these like contagion, uh, uh, the the apps that the, the tracking devices that uh, that spy on you and like really scary stuff that they want to keep the virus contained so you should have uh, your gps on at all times and you should be uh, if you if you have the virus where have you been who have you talked to where where have you interacted it's, it's all part of this really dystopian uh, orwellian nightmare that that's that's a big risk right right now and i think no virus in the world is as scary as that uh, like just w- watch a movie like Brazil or uh, whatever, and you'll <laughs> you, a- any dystopian movie will will tell you where the, where that leads. And uh, uh, Orwell's nineteen eighty four p- pops into mind, of course. And like, yeah, I'm rambling on here. <laughs> but, no, but, but you're yeah, right. It's, it's, it's really frustrating because every time I have like a, I think I've got you here. No, that, that, you've, that, got a, you've got a solid me, answer. That scares me more than viruses. Yeah, no, but but you, they are solid arguments. Okay, so tell me, in terms of Bitcoin, how how does this solve this? And do you believe? Have you got any blind spots with this? Blind spots and then it, with Bitcoin. And you would be like, well, I don't have any blind spots because there are blind spots, so I can't see it. But do you know what I mean? Are there the things where you're like, hmm? I'm not sure it can happen because of A, B, and C. But talk, talk me through first how you think this is going to play out. 
what hyperbitcoinization or totalitarianism or, or what? No, no, hyper, how we move to a Bitcoin society, how this actually happens. You say, because you're like, this is our one chance, right? And you, you're probably right. If Bitcoin doesn't work, then yeah, we're screwed. I think we're building a nation on top of every other nation. Like we're building a, a decentralized system. If it, uh, nation has a bad ring to it, but uh, we're building something, a community. Let's uh, to, to use a more neutral word. Uh, that in due time will will uh, like when when the price of Bitcoin goes up, you uh, we all Bitcoiners will be more wealthy and therefore. Uh, as a whole, we will be more powerful and more influential everywhere. Okay. So, 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 so this, uh, I believe, there's a great chance that this will uh, be peaceful and uh, that w- that it will happen in a uh, in a good way. Uh, also, I, I mean, both scenarios are possible, and it's predicting the future is a is a dangerous game. <laughs> but I don't really know how it will play out, and I don't know when. Uh, th- th- this is the most tricky question because, uh, like, hyperbitcoinization could happen in a, in a matter of months or in three hundred years. I don't really know, and no one no one does. But I, I think sooner or later it will be inevitable uh, if if this experiment that Bitcoin still is it continues to work and uh, the way it does. That that's that that's the basic premise of my books. Like they are from the perspective of if this continues to do what it already does, what does that lead to? But how how, how does having Bitcoin stop us going back to our old ways of collectivism? Um, look, I understand that we're sovereign, and and yeah, if we've got very good privacy, I, I imagine imagine in the future we'll have better tools for privacy and. You know, we can stop the state stealing our Bitcoin. But just for example, what's to stop a group of people with Bitcoin thinking, yeah, we still need a state. Let's all contribute a little bit of Bitcoin towards the state. We can tax people. And what stops that happening? You've still got men with guns. Yeah, but you have to pay them, right? <laughs> you have to pay the men with guns. And uh, of course, and the thing with Bitcoin is like, a whole population could have uh, an unknown amount of Bitcoin in their heads at all time. The only thing you need to learn how to do is how to memorize 24 words. Mm-hmm. And then if you memorize a seed phrase, you can have that money without anyone ever knowing that you have it. I mean, Yeah, but come on. No, no one's going no to – well, very few people are going to take that risk. Most people are going to have a – better way than just memory. Yeah, yeah, I, know, I understand the theory. Yeah, this is for the sake of argu- argument here, how this okay. differs from every type of money that preceded it. Because, like, information used to be indirectly valuable, but now it's it, it's very directly valuable. Uh, a, a Bitcoin, uh, the, the information that represents your Bitcoin is the very thing that is valuable. Uh, and that turns everything on its head uh, about ownership. Because, like, a state owning money involves a lot of cooperation with like who actually decides what to spend and when and where and with bitcoin like i've been talking about this before but how how does that actually work for an for a nation say i mean someone has to hold the keys and people say like well uh, uh 10 million key multisig and like 60% of the keys uh, uh, unlocks the bitcoin or something like that it could build a society like that but i 
uh, I have a hard time seeing how that how that would play out. And like, for instance, in Venezuela, you've seen this that they they accept Bitcoin via BTC pay server for for passports for Venezuelan right? You saw that, right? And yeah. I wonder who holds the keys to those Bitcoin. Uh, it's, it's either it's either someone in Venezuela with a gun as, at his head, or it's Maduro himself, it's, if he's uh, mentally capable of uh, handling Bitcoin. Uh, you don't really know these things, and uh, and uh, I mean it's so much harder for 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 anyone to confiscate Bitcoins than it is to confiscate, for, let's say, gold. Like for you, for instance, in the UK now, you you have all the Venezuelan gold, or some of the Venezuelan gold uh, is in your vaults. And I just read a headline that uh, the the British central bank are refusing to to give it back to Maduro because they don't see Maduro as the legit legit president of Venezuela. No, they think it's Guaido. Yeah, yeah. So they so they actually own the gold, right? Mm-hmm. The, the person who made that, the who made that decision. Uh, in reality, he's the one who owns the gold. But with Bitcoin, you're in a, you're in a, it's a, it's a whole different ballpark because <laughs> the one who holds the keys is the owner of the Bitcoin, regardless of guns. And if you shoot that person, the they, the Bitcoin would disappear. <laughs> so, uh, and that's not the case with gold. <laughs> So there, there are so many rabbit holes to fall into here when, when, when you realize that information is actually worth, literally worth something rather than just metaphorically worth something. Man, you put up a good argument in defense for everything, dude. Thank you. <laughs> I do my best. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, look, you should tell, tell people about the uh, – your. Is it? did you write two books? Yeah, yeah. I wrote, uh, yeah. I wrote Sovereignty Through Mathematics. Okay, and uh, I've been doing this all by myself. It's just a hobby of mine, and uh, just a hobby. Yeah, uh, and uh, I've always been a creative person. I have a bit of ADD, so I started writing a book. Uh, actually, I start, first started writing articles. I compiled them into a book, but then I got my name associated to a bunch of articles that I read. They were sort of bad, uh, so I I said, why don't I write a proper book about Bitcoin? And so I did. And I stopped when I got bored with it. I had a New Year's resolution that I would write a page a day for a whole year, and I wrote and I kept that promise for a hundred days. And then I got bored with it, and like uh, the book is finished now. It's a hundred-page book. Here it is. So I went to Riga with fifty of those. You got one. <laughs> I did. I gave it away to a bunch of people there. Traded one with Jimmy Song for the little Bitcoin book and all that, and mingled around with people. So good to see people in. <laughs> in meat space and uh, that was like my introduction as a bitcoin author uh, to the world and uh, after that it's, they, they've been catching on and uh, it's just i'm just enjoying the ride so i wrote another book during my vacation in spain this uh, christmas and the the first book is called sovereignty through mathematics and the second one is uh, bitcoin uh, independence reimagined man i will make time to read them i promise you they're on Audible. <laughs> if that's well, or, or listen, it's just this big pile of books. I promise you, I will get through it. Well, listen, look, I will, I will add links to this in the show notes. I'll tell everyone to buy your books and support what you're doing. <laughs> um, you. I re- really appreciate you coming on. It's like these are really interesting subjects for me to talk about. I'm I'm working my way through it, like in my head. I'm trying every time to break them so I can like reinforce my own thinking. 
because I think it's a journey, right? Nobody, nobody wakes up a Bitcoin maximalist, and you know, nobody wakes up a libertarian. Well, you, you, I guess you're born one, but nobody really does. You, you kind of go on a journey of discovering, yeah. and in doing that, it's, it's hard, but it's really good having the support of other people and, and and trying to earn these kind of complex societal and political and economic ideas. So I always appreciate someone like you coming on and let me throw. Uh, questions at you. Um, I think it was fantastic. So, well, thank, so Knut, you. thank you. Thank you, Peter. Yeah, and uh, before we close out, uh, just yes. once again, like human action is a good place to start if you want to know uh, a bit about the history of, of uh, libertarian thought process and everything. And like, this is not, like I said, I'm not sure that I'm right, not at all, but from a uh, an outcome perspective, but it, it's about basic morals. It's about morality. Yeah. Should or should you not force people into behaviors, uh, into different behaviors? That's that's the basic premise. No, I agree. With you. I've, I've got the Amazon page open now. Here it is. I think I might go for the Audible book, though, as you said, and find the time when I've got 30 hours, probably when I'm out running or on my bike. But uh, no, I will give it a go. And if I've got any questions, I'll come back to you. Appreciate your time, man. And uh, hopefully... We'll see each other at some event soon when the, when the planes are flying. Yeah, uh, I'm thinking of taking the ferry to Riga this year. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you can social. Right, well, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I just fingers crossed it all happens, dude. I really do. Yeah, yeah. All right, man. Well, listen, Liverpool are about to play Man City. I'm going to go and watch us get our guard of honor. I appreciate your time, dude. And look, you take care and see you soon. Yeah, stay safe and. Uh, Take care. See you on Twitter. Okay, what do you think of that one? Do you enjoy having Canute on the show? Do you enjoy these dives into libertarianism and challenging some of the ideas? I mean, I found it really helpful. And as I said over and over, I really like the ideals of libertarianism. You can't really argue against more freedom and less state intervention. But the part I find hard is how a society like this would operate. What are the consequences? What are the implications Anyway, this is a rabbit hole. I will definitely continue to go down, and Canuck gave me a pretty good reading list that I will get on with. So anyway, thanks him for coming on the show. If you want to get in touch with me, feel free to reach out. It's hello at whatbitcoindid.com. Also, check out the show notes. Make sure you go and check out his books. And any questions, as ever, you can reach out to me. It is hello at whatbitcoindid.com. 